Welcome to Untangling Christianity. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity. I'm John Polstra. And I'm Greg Monteith. And today I wanted to throw out a question to you, Greg, that I have, and none of this has been rehearsed or anything, so... <laughs> no, I'm eager to know what this is. <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out there. So right. by way of background, I'm kind of a personal productivity nut and always looking for ways to be you know, more productive in my personal life and work and all that kind sure. of stuff. I read a really fascinating, interesting, inspiring book called The Miracle Morning. I highly recommend it to anyone out there that's trying to get get moving in their lives, get what more time in their day, all that kind of stuff. And kind of the premise of the book is you got to get up early and you kind of practice four or five different things. So there's a time of silence or meditation. You might read some affirmations, which sounds cheesy, but it's actually not. I'd be totally happy to talk about that at another time. That um, sounds interesting. Do some visualizations, kind of like just kind of visualizing how you want your day to be, mm-hmm. kind of your perfect outcome, maybe also your life. Mm-hmm. Exercise, mm-hmm. some reading, and mm-hmm. then some journaling. And so okay. I've been doing this. I've been on this unstoppable streak, which just bulls me on getting up every morning at 5 a.m. or earlier. I haven't missed a day in like 50... 52 or three days since I started. You're excellent. I and, love that. And, well, I probably just jinx myself. So, but I, <laughs> but what's so funny is now I wake up like automatically at four, four thirty. I don't set an alarm. I just, you see, you're up at four. Well, I, I'll wake up at four. That's nuts. It is nuts. It's totally nuts. Cause when I started this, well, 53 days ago, I, I heard the, I heard about the book on the, a podcast I've been listening to. It's called the Unstuckable Podcast, and it's more mm. about kind of being in st- being stuck in your uh, work life and that kind of thing. Although it's funny because the this the theme of being kind of stuck in Christianity is also a very common theme for me as well. So, in the process of journaling every morning, I I've read I've come across this idea in other places too. It was the idea of of doing a kind of a quick journal or wrap up at the end of each day and so i don't know three quarters of the way into this like can i do 30 days of waking up at five in the morning and I, i'll mm-hmm. I'll warn you like if anyone out there is going to do it the first week is brutal like, <laughs> just the first week because originally i thought well you know in my household if i'm up by five thirty or 6 people are sometimes awake and so i was like okay five if i'm awake at five i will definitely be on my right. own for at least 30 minutes, maybe an hour. So anyway, the first week or so, I would sometimes fall asleep trying to do the first step, which is meditation and silence. And <laughs> so if I've mixed it up with doing like going for a walk first, and that's kind of, that's a whole experience too, going for a walk at 5 a.m. Like, wow. The world is just a different place. So, so are you running on less sleep then or? <sighs> that's what's strange. So it's funny. One of the one of the affirmations. So the uh, the author, his name is Hal H A L Elrod E L R O D. He has an he has some sam- sample affirmations that you can read, and I agree with a lot of what's in them. Some of it, not so sure. But mm-hmm. part of it is part of his contention is that we often live with kind of the limiting belief that that more sleep will make our lives better. And I know there's this whole uh-huh. movement and this whole school of thought that, you know, America, Americans, people in general don't get enough sleep. And so everyone okay. needs eight to 10 hours of sleep. And then I okay. read and heard other people that are like, well, everyone's different. It's whatever your body needs. So his contention, though, is that people think that they need more sleep than they really do. And uh-huh. that getting more sleep in most cases is not the answer. A long way of answering your question is, I think I'm getting a little bit less sleep than I used to, but after getting through the first week or two, I'm not any more tired than I ever was before. Weird. Yeah. So, I mean, That's what so- it did, what it has done is it's shifted my bedtime. Because in that hmm. first week or two, 
by 8.30 or 9 o'clock, I was exhausted. <laughs> I was okay. like, I gotta go to bed. So, so yeah, I mean, now, I don't know, I probably go to, I shoot for, like, winding down around 9, go to sleep at 9.30, but a lot of times it's still 10. So I don't know how many hours that is. I think it's a solid seven hours if I sleep the whole time, but I rarely do. Okay, wow. Anyway, all of that to bring us yeah. to... <laughs> This is a a much different segment today, so people have to tell us if they they like this or not. Um, So all this to lead up to, I've started now a practice. I'm into like, I was trying to do 30 days in a row, and I skipped a couple days, so I reset the counter of, at the end of the day, taking, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes to just Mm -hmm. reflect on the day and ask myself a series of questions (laughs) that I've found in different places and some of them I made up. And like one question is, what did I learn today? How did I oh. fail today? And the idea is when you look at what you learned in a particular day, maybe you learned some, maybe I failed in some area and I want to try not to fail at it tomorrow. Or mm-hmm. maybe I learned a particular way to be really productive today or I learned something about myself or whatever. So I have this series of questions. And as I was going through some of these exercises and doing these different, I, I wrote up some of my own affirmations and my own like this is who I am and this is what I want to do and that kind of stuff and I was showing them to my wife right? and she was a little troubled because she's like you know none of these things talk about God like like uh. where is that in your life hmm. I was like oh okay that's interesting so I thought and, and you had actually encouraged this on a podcast long ago which was the idea to look for God and to Maybe mm. write about it and reflect it. So anyway, so I, so here's the punch. Here's where I'm getting to after all this time. I added a new question, which was, where have I seen God today? And so every night at the end of the day, I try to answer that question. Where have I seen God today? Wow. And I thought I was going to have better results to this exercise. <laughs> and so it, the it's a question, I guess, to you of, Okay, so I'm answering this question every night. And at first, I was, I feel like I was trying to kind of manifest different answers. Like, hmm, <sighs> like, okay, off the top of my head, oh, I don't, I, yeah, I didn't really see him anywhere. Okay, but let me really, really think hard. Let me think really hard, huh? Did I see him there? <laughs> yeah, he, maybe he was over there or, oh, you know, I did a, I did a podcast with Greg today. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think Sounds God, a bit like, where's Waldo? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, so here, sorry, I'm not trying so, to be like you no, know, no, whatever. no. That's a, that's right. This this question can probably go in a number of different directions. But here's where, and this ties into some stuff that we were talking about over chat earlier in the week, which is related to another business book that I love and highly recommend. It's called Start with Why, and it's oh, by yeah. Simon Sinek, and it's all about businesses being really, really clear on why they're doing what they're doing. And the idea that when you are clear on your why, in other words, maybe you are just super, pa- well, like me, I'm super passionate about clarity and things making mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. And that's actually part of a personal mission statement that I've written is I want to bring clarity to confusion. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what we're doing here. Yep. Surprise, surprise. In talking to you about kind of this why, one of an epiphany I'd had earlier in the week was sometimes I think that I just kind of picked up someone else's why when it came to Christianity. And the idea of of having a why is that it comes from within you. It is something you are passionate about. You're Mm -hmm. maybe somewhat wired for it. Mm -hmm. And you just want to do it. And it's not something that someone can give to you. It's not something that someone can guilt you into. It's, Mm. it's like someone, you know, you can't, you can't make someone passionate about something. I don't think you can, you can introduce them to it. You can, uh, present the benefits of it. They might say, Hmm, yeah, on a logical level, if I follow all five steps that you've laid out there, that's a, yeah, that makes sense. I I think that's a product I should buy. But there's a whole different level of 
I love this product. I mean, the example used in the book, which I think was overused, was Apple. You know, people are fanatics about Apple stuff. Right. And it's not like you can, and if you could sit down with someone and say, well, these are the five reasons why you need an iPhone or a MacBook Pro or whatever. Well, that's just kind of on a, on, a, on a mental level. But the people that are passionate about Apple stuff are passionate about Apple stuff. So this all ties back around to, as I was thinking about Christianity, I thought, hmm, this is interesting. So, you know, a lot of people have a life purpose and are passionate and are driven by the notion of their relationship with God. Right, right. And I put you in that category. And so what occurred to me was, huh, I wonder if some of where I got tripped up along the line was just kind of trying to adopt someone else's passion, someone else's Mm -hmm. why. And Mm -hmm. this all ties back into my question of where am I seeing God today because I don't feel like I'm seeing God. And I'm yeah. I'm kind of I'm kind of to the point of as I journal and I I also I have conversations with myself and I find it so helpful. So one of the notes I've been leaving next to this question, in addition to two question marks, of where have I seen God today, is should I drop this question from my list? Is this a helpful question for me? Am I trying to force something that's not working? Is this a lifelong process for me? Some people have had, you know, miraculous conversion experiences that took minutes, days, weeks, months. Uh, Mm -hmm. Maybe mine, you know, maybe the looking for God in every day doesn't happen for me for another five years or something like that. So Mm -hmm. there's about 15 questions in there. (laughs) What, (laughs) What would you say to someone like me or someone out there that's having the same experience what where do you go next do you drop the question do you ask different questions yeah well i mean it's really interesting i I really i value the process that you're going through i mean i remember you telling me when you started this and you kind of made some you know intermittent references to what day mark you're on like your day 30 or day 40 or whatever and just this whole, you know, getting up early, focusing, I think that's fantastic. Yeah, in terms of that that one specific question, whether it's helpful or not, or to what degree are things forced, I guess I would want to say that there should be a balance between, on the one hand, um, something rigorous about my approach to God and my approach to life. Rigor is not just with God, it's with life. So on the one hand, there's the rigor. And the rigor, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit before, where I would look at it in three ways. One is self-improvement, the other is self-diversification, and the third is enjoying my life, enjoying myself, right? And rigor means different things in those three different kind of mm, realms, if you like, or ways of focusing. But, and and so I think that's to do with having a better life it's also having to do with being involved with god in what most people would call being a christian if you like following jesus as the christ but i also think that there is something to do with desire that there is something to do with passion you can't create com- those like you pa- passion or desire i mean there's you you can foster it, but mm-hmm. but you can't. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I do, okay. I do, I do. Though I I wonder if we can be a little more. I wonder if we can be broader and more creative when we think about passion, and if we can tap into passion in maybe some unexpected ways. And what I'm thinking about is that. I think a lot of our expectations with God limit the possibility, and I'm talking about the Christian God, I'm talking about a, the God as, as broadly portrayed in the, the biblical text, the Christian Bible, that a lot of our conceptions about God limit the possibilities for passion, limit the possibilities, if you like, for 
inspiration. There was a conversation just today at a meal table and somebody said, how do I take back the good things that I've done or learned here so that they impact my daily routine and how I live my life when I get home? Well, generally, I think a good question. Um, hard to answer. <laughs> hard, hard to answer. <laughs> it all depends. Yeah, it, 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 it does depend. But part of my answer was, you know, I think, I think that we, you need to ask yourself, you know, what is it about being here? So I know I'm, I'm using a particular example and it's an example that's in some ways at a distance from real life because I'm looking at people who have come away to a small dairy village in the Swiss Alps to consider their faith, Christianity in general. I don't know, maybe they've, they're considering their atheism relative to Christianity, however it may be laid out. Christianity is in, there, in the mix somewhere. But I think the, the, the piece that for me ties these things together is I was pushing at the, the, the questionnaire. I had a chance to talk with him later and I said, you know, I'd be concerned to, to ask myself, what is it that I've found inspiring about being here? So if you want to change and you want to adopt something about what you've learned here, what is it about what you've learned that makes you want to adopt it? What positive do you have to say about it? You know, like your, your, your point about the product, right? I really like this product. This, this is really cool, right? What about God makes you say that type of thing? And then for many people, the answer might be, well, I don't know. And they're probably hedging a little bit because the answer they don't want to give is nothing. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's yeah. not the right answer. They all know it's the wrong answer, but they, 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 they have a really hard time with it, right? And so I think, yeah, passion is involved. Can passion drive the bus? Sometimes, yeah. Can passion be the engine and the whole thing? No. Can, you know, understanding, knowledge, um, sound exegesis drive the bus? Sometimes, yeah. Can it be the whole thing? No, it can't be. And I think that's a big problem when we try to hinge too much in either direction on either of these things. I think we're going to fall flat ultimately. So I guess what I would say is in terms of your question, I mean, I think you're doing well to recognize that in a, to a certain extent, it's a bit disingenuous. It's not really legitimately where you're at to be looking for God. In a certain sense, it is, right? Right. No, and that was the funny part was you and I just talking about these things over and over again. I think I think the, the full cycle runs itself a lot faster than it used to, which mm. was, and this is a very familiar pattern. Someone says this is a good idea or it works, mm -hmm. so I, quote, should do it or try it, and then I will be more connected to God. So I will sit down and do it. I'm doing it. Nothing's happening. Doing right. it some more. Nothing's happening. Oh, this is interesting. I'm doing it. Nothing's happening. Maybe I should just stop doing it. Or maybe <sighs> there, you know, in other words, yeah. So yeah. there was just, it was really fast to just kind of see it happening in real time. And then to say, oh, this could make an interesting conversation. Say you're talking to someone like me at Libri or you're just talking to me. You know, what, where, yeah. what, are, what are the other layers to look at? in this question because I'm sure I'm missing something. I'm sure, you know, it's like maybe, or maybe there's a better question to be asking or I don't know. So that's why I wanted to throw it to you. Well, I don't think the question is, is, is in any way off, but I would broaden it. So in other words, like what are our expectations? What we, okay, go, go, go back. Give me the exact wording on your question. Where have I seen God today? Okay, great. So where, I and today. I like where and I like today. And I like I. I <laughs> no words little. left. <laughs> well, so say that again. See, you said I is too little. I is too little. It's too small. Say more about that. Well, it's this whole idea. I mean, we may have talked about this before that I think I would say that experiences of God or experiencing God is personal but not necessarily individual. So I Whoa. would expect, I as a Christian, I expect 
God in some ways to show up in people's lives. Oh, and this ties back to the other topic of last time, which was God meeting our needs. Okay. And I think I've got like, I think 99% of my understanding of God and Christianity is seeing places where God has met my needs or God has done something wonderful. Maybe it wasn't a need, but it was a something, it was a blessing, you know, it was whipped cream and sprinkles on top of the ice cream, you know, it was more than I needed. <laughs> it was more than you needed. Okay, but, but you're so, telling me that... But yeah, no, I think there. I think there is a, I don't know what the percentage is, but there's some expectation that where have I seen God today? I would see, if I saw specific ways that he had met my needs and I was, it was more than just, I was a hard worker today, I did a good job, but mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, I'm losing my thoughts. So go back to what you were saying, though. And Well, I think that asking the question, where have I seen God today, is a fine question to ask. It's just incomplete. So in other words, it's going to give me something, but it cannot give me enough, and it's probably not giving me, even within the category of seeing God, and there's the whole question of what does that mean exactly? What do you mean by seeing, right? How has God kind of been apparent to me in some sort of a way like I would say you know when I'm a jerk and I do things that rupture my relationship with God God's very apparent to me not as this kind of um, angry uh, wrathful deity but as my number one love relationship that I have just imperiled I've just put distance between me and the and the 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 the, the entity I want to be closest with so God really shows up in the distance for me it's like, wow, that was a really dumbass thing to do, Greg. You should not have done that. That was really wrong. And look at the consequences. There are consequences here, consequences there. And, of course, there are always consequences where my wrong actions put distance between me and God. Not from God's perspective. God doesn't love me less. But it's there's something about being a human being and living in ways that thwart the relationship with God that are contrary to what God is saying, hey, you know what? This is the way that human beings work best. And this is the way that we can relate best, you and and me, and me going against that. So that's another, I guess, qualification of the notion of, if I would say it more so, how how has God appeared today or or how has God been apparent? No, because, okay, so so I need a better question. And I I love this because... Tony Robbins talks about this all the time in terms of the questions that we ask ourselves. Mm. And I think he's dead on with this. He, he, the way he kind of presents it is our computers are computers. Our brains are like a computer and they will solve whatever problem you give it. Mm. But if you give it a bad problem to solve, it will solve mm-hmm. that problem to death. So if you're asking yourself, you know, why am I so lazy? <laughs> Your brain will come up with all the reasons why you're lazy, why mm-hmm. you're such a horrible person. Yeah. If instead you turn that question just a little bit to the side and say, how could I get more done today? Now mm-hmm. your brain is focused on, hmm, let me, let, let me think about all the ways I could get more done today. I could try this. I could try that. I could do this. I could do that. As opposed to, why do I never get anything done during the day? Well, let me start. Well, first of all, I'm lazy. Second of all, you know, all these people are taking my time. And you come up with all the reasons why you can't get anything done. But mm-hmm. you're not in any better place. And so I'm thinking mm-hmm. the same thing with my question, where have I seen God today? Well, I haven't seen him, so now I'm stuck. But yeah. it's a bad it's it's not a horrible question, but what I hear you saying is there's a better question out there. And I think you're saying well, although how has appeared any better than seen? Well, I guess I'm just questioning what you mean by seen. Oh, I think I'm I'm using it very broadly. I'm using it very broadly, but I think I have very specific expectations that are probably subconscious as to what it looks like. Kind of like yeah, kind of like I'll know it when I see it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and maybe you want to break those out. Just just list those beside the question or underneath the question or somewhere like in a you know, reference to the question. But I would also like, you know, I guess I would get behind the question, what's the goal of the question? What's the value of the question at all? So if you see God, so what? 
What is that going to matter? Well, I'm thinking it will help me embrace Christianity easier or better or to know God. Okay. So you want to have some sort of a better sense of who God is and some a better sense I feel sense like of... you and other people in my life have a much better sense of God's presence. And so I rarely have or had had that experience. And so I'd like to have that experience, but maybe I'm going at it the wrong way. Well, maybe yeah, I'm, maybe I, again, maybe I'm trying to have someone else's why at this point in my life. And maybe I just have to be where I am, which is right where I am. Yeah. Well, and I guess too, like what, what, for me, what was, what I am coming to understand and the way I'm phrasing it now, I've, you know, I talk throughout the podcast, we've talked about this for years now, this whole love and truth, truth and love focus. And that for me principally came out of a, a very significant experience, which with, you know, we've talked about this before with, with another human being, it wasn't something like, you know, Thomas Aquinas or Blaise Pascal who had these kind of, uh, we're not, we're not too sure with their accounts of their experiences with God, but we're not really too sure what, what exactly happened, but they really didn't involve other people where mine involved other people. And yet I'm seeing within this experience, almost underneath this experience through a, a number of just a number of vectors of meaning and different sort of, um, aspects of the experience that made it very rich and very rare and very strange in the timing and just so many components. It was just like, how did this all happen? How did this all happen in a Christian place, in a place I shouldn't have been in in the first place as a very angry agnostic? And, you know, so I guess what I'm saying is that my experience, which has led me to understand certain things about God, love and truth, truth and love, which I also see reflected in the biblical text, which is also for me a confirmation of, hey, you know, if you are having an experience, you think you're having an experience of God and it tells you God is a certain way and that seems to really contradict what we might read in the Bible, then that would throw up some um, big question marks for me, some warning lights maybe. Uh, mine, doesn't, mine doesn't do that as far as I see. But I guess the core that I don't often talk about is that while this happened with real people, on the one hand, on the one side, and it relates to God, and I've taken certain understandings about God, on the the other side, in the middle, is what the, pra- the, the, the kind of event actually constituted, which is, for me, literally, I would say, it was, an, it, was, it was healing. I was healed. And so, out of that, and I know Did I'm not Did you know it in that content. moment? I felt it in that moment, yeah. Because it was all, it was me being aware and, and actually speaking, actually recounting the pain and the worst of, you know, I'd already put in like three years of uh, ab- abuse counseling. So I'd, I'd done, done a lot of digging into um, the, uh, the, 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 the familial abuse that I had experienced as a kid. Uh, so, th- I mean, it wasn't like I was just like all of a sudden struck by the fact of it, but it was me digging into it and realizing the the deepest, lowest, worst part of it that I really hadn't got to before. And then in that moment, finding that reversed, finding that through my relationship with this person that I was talking with and who um, really um, made this spectacular, crazy offer to me that he didn't even realize he was making, I don't think, and certainly hadn't planned. And I felt within me, it was like this unbelievable, it's like when something breaks, you know, it's like something like a a pencil when it snaps. And there was just this, yeah, I I was so disoriented and so uh, confused in addition to, you know, feeling overjoyed really and just overwhelmed but i would say that my that that experience is not something that could ever possibly be repeated i would never look for that to be repeated because i will never be broken in that way again i am whole and that wholeness stays with me it's part of who i am now 
just like brokenness was part of who I was before. And so when God, I guess in my way of speaking, shows up, it's kind of in line with what we talked about just, just recently, a couple of podcasts ago, about you know God is working towards the furtherance of God's kingdom. God is showing up for that reason. Does God love me? Yeah. But the kingdom of God is by God, from God, for God. God is primary. I still have a crucial role. I'm still crucial, but God is primary. So when God shows up, God is working in me, with me, sometimes for me, but ultimately within the context of the ongoing coming into being of God's kingdom. That's the right context. So on a very practical level, in the last today or in the last three days, how has God shown up for you? Um, well, <laughs> I would say that one of the main ways that God shows up is as we develop relationship more closely with God, as we come to understand more of who God is, what God's about, and I think this kind of kingdom-focused orientation is crucial, I began, I've been having a hard time being here, being in this place, literally being geographically located in Switzerland at Labrie. I wanted to go home a number of weeks ago, and we've changed our plans and we've stayed. And part of the difficulty for me in staying is that it's been very, very, very tough to be in a place where I could more or less be living out my vocation and feel incredibly stymied, incredibly stymied. And in the last number of days, I've had a number of realizations. Now, is that God whispering in my ear? No, it's not God whispering in my ear. Why not? Well, because literally nobody's whispering in my ear. Like I, I mean that in a kind of literal sense, but I mean, does, as we continue to develop and deepen relationship with God, do we have understandings that I think are ultimately informed by the Holy Spirit working in us towards our what? Our imaging Christ for the purpose of what? For the purpose of bringing about the kingdom of God. So are some of the understandings that I've been getting in the last three days designed to help me move closer to imaging Christ for the purpose of bringing about the kingdom of God? Yes, they are. And what do, they, what do, you, know, what do you know? Well, actually, as I think about some of the things that I've realized over the last couple of days, um, I feel better as a person. I feel less stressed out. I feel like there are less demands on me. So one of them is, you know, this is not, you know, and this could be not borne out over time, right? Over time, I might tell you, the things I'm going to tell you next in three years from now or five years from now, you, you might come back to me and say, so what about those things you told me three or five years ago? What do you think about them? And I might say, oh, well, I guess uh, they didn't come to pass. But, you know, one of the thoughts I had is this is not my time. This is not the time for Greg to be going full bore on his vocation. So there are people here, like, in other words, we just had a situation. There are people here that I think I could help. We just had a, uh, a meal discussion and uh, Greg said, you know, this, this person raised the question of what do I do to um, keep hold of the things that I've learned here when I go home? And I thought, I thought this was very good. Greg said, well, we've got a number of people sitting around the table here who've done that very thing. I wonder what they would have to say. Hmm. So my response through much of my time here as I've dialogued with some of the students is I've seen a lot of people with similar situations to my own. And I know that I have things through what I've learned, just like at that lunch table where I could have shared those things. It wasn't as easy as, you know, sharing a formula or saying, you know, here's the recipe for feeling good and knowing God. But it was a form of engagement that I think could have made a difference in some of these people's lives. And through, for various reasons, um, that hasn't happened. Uh, and I've, you know, I've been trying. And so that's really frustrating. But maybe this is not my time. And maybe there are other things that I need to focus on. I had a situation just last week. It was quite interesting where, you know, my relationship with my mentor 
has been getting less and less and less time. You know, he seemed more busy or more focused in different areas. And I just realized, you know, maybe I need to find other people. And I was um, praying about this. I had no idea, you know, who to, I don't know who to source or I could try to find, you know, try to contact some of my old profs. But the thing about profs is they're always way too busy. So I wasn't sure how that was going to work. Well, we had a guy in here. Um, he was in here on Wednesday and then uh, on Friday he spoke again to lecture. And um, Susan and I just had a f- really frank conversation with, with, with him and his wife. And we ended up driving them from here over to a neighboring uh, village having lunch, which they were staying at the village uh, for the night and um, having this long discussion. And basically, you know, that is the beginnings, that is the foundation of a, of a mentoring a relationship that has come into being, which is crazy. I mean, those wow. are rare, rare, rare relationships. Yeah, yeah, really wow, really wow. And I, I, it was, it was funny because Susan, I got up the other day, two days ago and uh, Susan said, were you up in the middle of the night? Were you like, like moving all around or were you uncomfortable or something? Because you woke me up. And I said, no, actually I got out of bed and I don't, you know, for many Christians, this is what they do. It's not what I do because when I pray, I, I'm wherever I am and I, I pray. That's just how it goes. But I was struck in the middle of the night that I'd been praying for this possibility of a mentor. And I mean, this guy has got, he doesn't do the things that Greg does. He doesn't have some of the skills that Greg does, but he has many skills Greg doesn't. So remarkably, you know, it's just strikingly complimentary actually. And I realized like out of, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in angst about this situation. And then this happens. And I just got up out of the bed and I knelt at the side of the bed and I just said, you know, this is overwhelming. Thank you. I didn't, I didn't recognize what, what had happened, but I see this now. And so did God show up for me? Yeah, I think God did. You know, somebody could dispute that and say, oh, well, that's just kind of, you know, circumstances or coincidence or who knows what's going to happen in three weeks when you send this guy an email and he doesn't get back to you. Mm. Okay. I guess we'll see. <laughs> mm-hmm. But from where I stand right now, with all the information I have now, knowing that, yeah, I did approach God. I did pray about this. I was very in earnest about this. I was pretty upset about this. And yeah, that was just Friday. And here we are talking on, you know, early in the week. So um, what strikes me in that is, and I'm re-questioning my question, is the, 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 um, the duration, the time. Because I know, you know, we've kind of talked about this off and on here and there. And so, in other words, you're able to look over a period of days or weeks or something and say, oh, okay, <laughs> wow, I can see that, that God showed up in this way here. Mm. And I just wonder if if me saying, okay, every 24 hours, you know, where did God show up? Where did God show up? Where did God show up? <laughs> yeah. Maybe there, uh, yeah, maybe a broader, a broader view would be helpful. Yeah. Like every day is still worth looking at, but yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not saying throw it away. I'm just, I just, yeah, well, both yeah. and. Yeah. And I, I guess too, it's sort of like, what do I expect, you know, and what can I expect from God? So do I expect that God's going to just show up out of the blue? And Oh, this is a murky one. This is a or murky. Or do I expect God's going to res- reply? So, so for me now in my life, they're typically replies. Although, as I mentioned before, when I mess up, I I immediately kind of reflect on God and think about God, and, and in, in that sort of a way, if I can say it that way, God sort of shows up. But I haven't had too many situations where God just kind of shows up. And even if I did, I don't think those situations, like when I talked about my situation many years ago here, which was really powerful and I describe now as an event of healing, I am certain there were lots of people praying for me. 
I sure as hell wasn't. I wasn't a Christian. And I, you know, we were, I was here because I was, I had a free chalet and I was 200 meters from the ski, ski slopes. And that's why I decided to come back and spend the winter here. We decided to come back because we could ski, you know, and I had an indigenous uh, pass. So it was cheap and good skiing and it was lots of fun. And I went down occasionally for lectures and, and tutorials at Libri because I was still interested in putting aside my anger at Christians and Christianity. But I certainly wasn't looking for God. But, you know, in a real way, as I began, I guess as I, over the process of many months, as I looked at it and evaluated it and I said, where, where did this come from? I began to see God in this because it didn't make sense that anything else was there. That it was just this kind of crazy, wonderful, beautiful, joyous set of unrelated circumstances that just happened to transpire. I couldn't believe that. It didn't make, some, it didn't make sense. Yeah, I guess it's what, what are your expectations? And I would say maybe it's about praying more. In other words, engaging God and what you engage God about. And so, you know, I think one really interesting thing to pray is help me understand. You know, there's, there's kind of those various basic things you can pray as people who 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 are on the margins of Christianity or who are feeling very uh, alienated uh, from, from Christianity, you know, if you're there, help me to understand, you know, but that has to be something you mean. You have to be willing to act on it. And I'm not saying you, right? I'm not saying you, I'm saying whomever in the sense that, okay, well, something might happen. Don't, don't expect just God just going to keep on doing stuff and it's going to be so obvious. You're going to have to be aware so maybe you might want to pray about that. I need to, if you're going to do something, I'm going to have to be able to recognize it. And then I need, I'm going to probably need the gumption to actually act on it and probably some sense of what I'm supposed to do by way of acting on it. You know, like if you're in the land of the totally murky here with God and you're thinking, does God even exist? Well, I think that you could put that question, that statement to God. You know, I don't even believe you exist. So if I'm supposed to work with this, I need some help on it, you know, and, and part of that is dealing with understanding. So in other words, having a sense that God exists is partially about understanding who God is better, which is not necessarily going to come through some sort of an experience, but more through study and if you like exegesis or investigation. So there's still that experiential part, maybe, yeah, but it's personal without being individual, right? You may never have those types of things. You may have nothing you need to be healed of. I doubt that. I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> convinced that, well, <laughs> I guess I, on, a kind of, on a kind of grand scale. So I don't think that, like, I guess God does act superfluously because I think love is super abundant. It's, it's more and how much more. But I am pretty convinced that there is no way that I would have possibly been able to have a functional relationship with God without this taking place. Hmm. You know, and I'm saying that in retrospective. So you might say, oh, well, that's pretty easy for you to say. Something happened and you think it had to happen and that's why you're saying it happened. Well, okay, sure. <laughs> you know, I'll take that, but I still believe it. You know, so in other words, if people, I think, I think God will act in ways that will enable people, empower people to be in right relationship with God, but that might look very different for different people and might be quite, yeah, for some people might not be something that, that is much of a blip on their experiential radar. And that's helpful because, yeah, when I say murky, I mean, maybe murky is not the right word, unpredictable results or different results for different people. Some time ago I read the book Unbroken, by I think it's Laura Hildebrand. It's about Louis Zamperini, who's a pilot in World War II, mm. goes through horrific, horrific concentration camp experiences, and et cetera, et cetera. My only one of my beefs with the book is, and beef slash I don't know, maybe it's possible is he has a just a really rocky kind of reentry to 
living in the United States again and his family life and mm. uh, goes to a Billy Graham crusade and becomes a Christian and his life mm-hmm. completely changes. And in, it, 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 it reads as if it changes in like a matter of weeks or days. Hmm. And that was it for him. And so in terms of experiencing God, I, I feel like kind of the the message I always get at church and, and from other Christians is that God is this very ongoing, tangible reality for them. And he appears in a number of ways every day. And isn't it so amazing? Yeah, but I don't, I don't get that. Like, how, how does he go to a, uh, a I don't know. Game? I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of yeah I'm I guess I'm just giving him the benefit of the doubt I'm just like okay are there is there more information we don't have here but I feel like if there's even if there's any kind of evangelical gold standard that's it you know God moves in miraculous ways and that was all he needed bam what's your problem yeah, but John I, think, I mean I come on you've is. been given all this stuff and all this knowledge and all this other stuff. I mean, why, what, what's, you know, what's holding you up? Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, <laughs> it seems like there are a lot of, there are, there's a lot of content missing. I would, I would, I would. That was kind of I, my I, frustration I, a little bit with that part of the book was like, wait, how did you move like so quickly from point A to point B? Yeah, you see, like, I, I think you're way ahead of the game, right? You've got, you've got a, a really virile dirty, robust sense of self-awareness. You're able to, you're a problem solver. You've got a lot of things working for you, right? That a lot of people don't have. And so I guess when I think about experience and God and it being necessary or being transformative, I wonder what sort of situation that person is in. You know, what is it that they, they don't have that they need and what is it that that situation provides? So I would say in my own situation, I needed to believe that I was lovable and that I could be loved and that there was a power beyond my father's power and authority to, to convey that message. And that's exactly what happened in a way that I could have never predicted or foreseen and in a way that was far more powerful than anything I could have imagined and complete. You know, I, I regret certain things about certain, uh, I don't know, uh, the upshot of, you know, how, how things fell out over time with me and this other person. Uh, I, I wish they would have been a little, the relationship would have been closer over, you know, the passing of time. But, and it wasn't on the one hand, yet it did, it, it accomplished some crazy things and not, not, nothing that I, I wasn't saying, oh, here's a golden opportunity to take advantage. You know, not at all. This was the, the kind of exact situation that you're talking about. I love this product. Let me tell you why this product is great, right? I, I didn't have to force myself or psych myself up or, you know. But I do think that the the healing that happened to me was essential in order for me to be able to be in relationship with God. And, you know, and here's another thing, which is it's always hard for me to kind of bring this out or state this. I mean, we've talked about this once or twice before, but I think that God has acted in this way for some specific reasons. God has taken me from a place of being an extreme. God hasn't really taken me. God has offered me. God has put the possibility in front of me that I had to act on, right? I could have acted differently. God didn't force me. But that possibility is there in order for God's kingdom to be furthered. So I think, you know, Right. And somebody could just say, well, that's a self-fulfilling prophecy, Greg. Look, you and John, you've got this podcast and <laughs> you're kind of making more of it. This is just an opportunity for you to make more of it than it's really worth because it's not worth that much. Or, you know, who knows where you guys will go or who knows where you'll be in five years. Okay, fine. 
fair enough. But I still think that, you know, I can't, I can't defeat those arguments or, you know, potential um, accusations, but fine. I look them in the face and stay, say that I'm still staking my, driving my stake in the ground right here. You know, I, I don't know. And I guess that'll be borne out too as, as, as we go along and we'll see what happens when people, as we've have, you know, have had different people uh, commenting and um, interacting with us. And it seems, you know, for the, by and large, it's been pretty helpful. I think we need to do more on the kingdom of God. I think you, you were starting no you were starting to really bring that out in the last episode and you're mentioning it again here i think it'll yeah. be interesting to yeah what exactly is that what does that mean mm-hmm. i think it stirs up a lot <laughs> i think it stirs up some, some some big topics but i also think some some topics that would be really valuable to discuss one in particular i'm thinking of is the problem of evil uh, uh which not that we have the solution for it. I don't have a solution for it. I know you've done a lot of thinking, a lot of work on it. Um, mm. But yeah, how that how that plays out? How yeah? How is in other words? Yeah, I, I, all kinds of questions come to my mind in terms of God's kingdom being furthered, and we talk about God meeting our needs or not. What does that mean? How is God's kingdom being furthered when the awful stuff that happened to you as a child happened? Mm-hmm. How does that? Make sense? Can you make sense of it? All, yeah, all kinds of stuff. So, let's do that. That, that sounds like yeah. Uh, that sounds like it'd be a good way to, good thing to investigate. Alrighty, stay tuned. Thanks for listening to the Untangling Christianity podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode, so leave a comment on the website at untanglingchristianity.com slash 69. If you'd like to be notified by email when new episodes are released or other news, subscribe to our mailing list, also available in the right sidebar of the website. We welcome your questions, comments, or suggested future discussion topics by email. Send those to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. Music on this podcast is made possible by Kevin McLeod over at Incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license. Tune in next week for a new episode.